Welcome to Let It Locate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Leonard Lopate. This week marks the one-year anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic shutdown, and we finally have some reasons to be hopeful. Vaccines are now available to more people, and many businesses and schools are reopening. But it's far from over, so we have invited industrial hygienist Monona Russell back to our show to look at where we are and what we need to do next. She's the president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, the health and safety officer for Local 829 of Yahtzee, which is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. It's published by Wiley, and I'm very pleased to welcome her back to our show now. If you have a question for Monona, why not give us a call at 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Or you can email your questions to me at leonardlopate at wbai.org. Hi, Monona. Welcome back. Well, hello, Lenny. How are you doing? Okay. Uh, I'm uh, actually doing rather well, considering, uh, although kind of stir-crazy. The last time we spoke, you and your husband were recovering from COVID. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling essentially normal, except overworked, as usual. Uh, My husband is is making great progress. You know, he was 42 days in in hospital and in in rehab, and um, it it was a long slog. And uh, I just I was so glad to get him home. And he, he's making great progress. It's just amazing. I, I don't know how far we'll get along because we've got a lot of work to do. You know, we live in a in a, in a six story walk up. So <laughs> he, right now, I don't think he could make the stairs, but um work on it and we've got a physical therapist. And uh, eventually I think we're going to get back to normal. You were pretty sure that you were exposed from fumes and smoke from outdoor restaurant seating areas. Um, have you learned any more about how you were infected or how you could have prevented it? Well, when I do my, my two-hour Zoom on ventilation, uh, which, by the way, I'm doing again on uh, March 27th, people who are interested, maybe I'll tell them how to connect up to it. It's a union um, Zoom, but we're opening it to, to everyone. And when I do that, I actually discuss the the building to building transfer papers and the, the research. And I show how this is definitely possible. You see, the reason is I kept smelling. Well, first of all, I can tell you we didn't see anybody and we didn't go anywhere during that period of concern. There was no one we met. There was no one we talked to. There was no one we shook hands with or came even close to. <laughs> and being at a six-story walk-up, yeah, there was a lot of social distancing. Well, boy, is there just nobody wants to come up and see us. So uh, so I, I know that that was not how it happened. But I kept smelling cigarette smoke, and no one in this building smokes. And I could not figure it out. But because I didn't go out, I did not know what was happening on the street. Mm-hmm. Now, as, a, as a ventilation person, an expert, when I was getting into the ambulance and looking back, I could see exactly what happened. Because the, there's crowds waiting to get into the outdoor restaurant and a few into the indoor restaurant now that are on our street. 
And what they do to keep them warm is they have three of these huge two and a half foot flame propane heaters. And they run right up the front of the building. So anybody who is down there, their air is flying right up across the front of the building. And unfortunately, I had a exhaust fan in our kitchen at the other end, and it was pulling that air in. So have you reported that to the city agencies that regulate restaurants or or no, is it the city's it attitude is, that it's more important for the economy to have restaurants operating yeah. and, and, and people be, like you can fend for yourself? Uh, yeah, I think that that's sort of the way it is. If, if I had known, you see, all I had to do is turn the fan around and put the place under positive pressure and air would have been going out those windows. But I did not know where the smoke was coming from. I could not figure it out. So it's partially my fault. If I had gone down on the street and taken a look, I would have known. Now, restaurants have now been allowed to reopen with limited capacity. Um, How safe do you think that is? Is anyone inspecting the ventilation systems before they reopen? They're they're sort of putting people on their honor. You know, you've changed to a MERV 13, right? Right. Uh, You've got six room exchanges per hour. Yeah, right. I mean, who knows what, what they are? And, and very often the people who run these systems may even really believe they, they've got good ventilation and many of them don't. It's, I've been dealing with engineers and, and facilities managers all over the country through the film industry. And, um, you know, I, I run across really brilliant people who are really operating these build, buildings well and you can an, they'll answer every question and we'll set up a really good system. And other buildings where they, they don't even know what the filter ratings are. They don't even know what the air exchanges are. You know, they wouldn't know how to calculate them. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a real mixed bag out there in terms of expertise. And Mayor de Blasio announced this week that New York City high schools will be reopening for in-person learning on March 22nd. So um, we, we've talked in the past about how the school system is dealing with safety. Uh, do you feel that we should be sending our kids back now, especially well, high school age kids who, who may be more vulnerable? You know, ventilation is not the only thing that will protect people. You do have to do the masking and the distancing and the sanitizing and all the other stuff. But it is one of the pillars. And if you take that pillar out, the other things won't work either. And what we should be doing is we should, well, this is what we've done in the film industry. If you can't get six air changes per hour, if you don't have a MERV 13 and better um, and the right percentage of fresh air coming in, we don't do your film. We ain't shooting for you. (laughs) We're out of there. And I think that's what's needed here. They need to look at the schools and see what they can do. And those that can do it, fine, open them up, but don't send someone back into a school that is relying on windows, which we know are, are, are totally dependent on wind speed and many other factors. They're- and it, and it's, it's still cold many days, although the New York Times did publish an article saying opening windows is a key to reopening schools. Oh, and, that and, was and I'm assuming that's because so many of the schools have antiquated ventilation systems. I, I went right. to schools that... In, in uh, one case, my uh, elementary school had been a Civil War hospital before it was converted <laughs> into a public school. Yeah, no, they, 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 they that the, was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. 
many of the schools shouldn't have been open before the pandemic. You know, and we really ought to identify those schools and just say, you know, you didn't upgrade all these years and it's too late to do it in five minutes now. So let's just, you know, close this one and open some of the ones that actually work. That Times article that you mentioned is just classic of the kind of confusion that can be sown because if you fake news in the New York Times. Oh, my dear. It is just it it is hysterical because what they are showing is two walls of a room. Okay, a video simulation. Yeah, a video simulation. And and they don't show you the other two walls. And then they look at a window and they open the window this way and that way. And then they put a fan in blowing out. Then they put a fan in blowing in. But they don't tell you where the air is going after it comes in. You know, if you're if you're blowing a certain amount of air into a room and you do not have an equal place where that air is escaping, you better be in a rubber room because that (laughs) isn't going to work. And without knowing where the air is coming in and where it is going out, you can't make these pronouncements. The only good thing about that study and why I show it in my trainings is it clearly says that they got a certain number of air changes per hour that were um, specifically tied to a particular weather uh, condition. Because believe me, if the wind is blowing the wrong direction or the wrong speed, those windows are not going to work for you. I have measured air coming in windows, air going out windows, air doing almost nothing at windows, depending on weather. And you cannot put your life on the line for the breeze. Last week, movie theaters were allowed to reopen with limited capacity. Um, I get the feeling that you that you would prefer for us to be a bit safer for a while. Well, yeah. Now, now you have to understand uh, with my long entertainment background, I don't even want to live in a world that can't have a packed house. So sooner uh-huh. or later, we need to get back to being able to cram ourselves together and cheer and yell and spit in each other's faces and all the rest. And, and that will happen. And, and thank gosh, it will. But uh, I think it's a little early to be shoving people up. Now, I do like the way the arenas uh, are opening for sports. And I'm not a sports person. I, you know, I don't understand anything about any ball or why anybody cares where it lands. Um, (laughs) But if they are doing what they say they're doing and requiring either a, a, a recent PCR test or a certificate of vaccination, that's going to be very good, and it's going to, you know, get people to go get their vaccinations. So I think that's an excellent idea. If you want to join this conversation, uh, you can call us. Uh, our on-air number is 212-209-2877, uh, or... I don't want to mess it up. 212-209-2877. Or you can email me a question at leonardlopate at wbai.org. Uh, we, uh, mo- more people are getting vaccinated every day, Monona. And, and starting today in New York City, every, anyone over 60 can get it. Uh, I, I don't know if you think that's a good sign. President Biden has said that by the end of May, every adult who wants a vaccine will be able to get one. Will that mean uh, that afterward uh, we can assume that herd immunity will finally have been achieved at least a year earlier than President Trump promised us? 
Well, we have to see because, again, herd immunity depends not only on the number of people, but on the infectivity of the disease. So there is two factors there. And um, I, I think we'll I think we'll make herd immunity early. But um, that's just a boy. That's just a wild guess. And I guess it's also a, a wild hope because I really would like to see things get back to, to normal. We can't get a vaccine now until April because once you've had COVID, you're not supposed to just jump out and get a vaccine. You have to wait a period of time. So we're 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 good. They're assuming that we're we're immune due to having had the disease. I I may not be as immune because I. I got the monoclonal antibody infusion where, you know, some laboratory made antibodies did a lot of my fighting for me. Now, my husband, who went through the real real McCoy, is probably quite immune. Um, but uh, it, it's just a guess, you know, because a lot of this we're just learning about now. My guess is Monona Russell, uh, industrial hygienist and a regular contributor to this program. Again, uh, the number to call if you want to join the conversation, 212-209-2877, or you can email any questions to leonardlopate at wbai.org. Uh, should we take a call? Let's take a call. BAI, you're on the air. Hi. Am I on the air? I don't know. You are. Okay. So I've been listening to your show. And Wait, could you talk up a bit louder? Could just talk up a bit more? Yeah, kind of soft. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So I've been listening to your show and listening to uh, the, the concept of air quality and airflow. What I object to, I guess, is the whole concept that everyone needs to get a vaccine or show proof of a vaccine to be able to do anything freely anymore. And I guess what I'm thinking is that the fact that this show is on BAI, where I just finished listening to Gary No, and he's talking about how bad the vaccine is, I guess it's mixed messaging is what I'm hearing. Well, you know, all of the people who broadcast on WBAI don't have to agree with each other. Uh, Gary has a large following, and many people uh, believe, uh, you know, go along with the things he says. And uh, I, I I try to walk down the middle of this road and, and not take positions uh, political or about vaccines. Uh, I think that the important thing for me is uh, to provide as much information for my audience as possible and let the audience choose. No, I agree. I'm opinionated enough for both of us, Lenny. <laughs> well, so so uh, we have people who say that the vaccines are a joke and that wearing masks are are a joke. Uh, what do you think, Benona? Oh, there's so much data on the masks now. And, and there's a lot of theories about why they work. And I uh, in, in, in again, in my PowerPoints, I show them the basic theories of why why masks work. But the real data is the epidemiological data. And when you compare a place that really masks up with any kind of uh, equivalent place that doesn't, there's no question. Uh, on, on the epidemiology, the, the, the places where they mask up just plain get less COVID. Okay, thank you so much for your call. Do you want, want to add anything? I guess not. Let's take, let's take another call. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Go ahead. 
Um, I was wondering how you can explain um, all of this uh, airflow and stuff like this, when we've had the kids playing football, badminton, whatever it is outside, face-to-face, breathing in each other's faces with a sport with no masks on, you're trying to tell us that the wind has to blow a certain way or we're going to all get sick? Are you, are you serious with kids are in each other's faces for months now playing sports? As long as they're outside, they're safe. But if you come in, the boogeyman will get you. Are you not yeah. even a virologist? Oh. You're not even in the medical field. So why are you, why are we listening to you? You're, you're good at spreading hot air. You're good at moving air around. But you're just a little too old and a little too set in your ways of, uh, you know, going Whoa. along with what everybody tells you to do. So I think really we shouldn't be listening to you very much because I don't. Okay, think well, the, you know what? You don't have to listen. That's, That's one right. of the, the things. <laughs> you know, this is America. You don't have to listen. Uh, if you want to listen to certain shows and not others and believe some people and not others, that's your perfect right. Okay? Thank you so much for your call. Uh, but the question, the question he made is a good one. Okay, go ahead. question is this, and that's why is it okay outdoors uh, of, uh, in, in a short distance away from somebody and they haven't had a lot of problems with transmission and indoors it's not. And the reason is you have hundreds of air changes per hour outdoors. It is rapid. It is happening very fast. Even without a wind, you have a very good dilution factor going on. So that's why very early in the film business, we started doing shoots outside, um, even dance sequences. And the people who are dancing, of course, are, are putting out a lot of particulate because of the activity that they're doing. So we're, we're, we have always been thinking about that and always looking at the outdoors being safer and when we know the prevailing wind, we can take even bigger chances because we know which direction the stuff is going. There's actually computerized studies now showing that if somebody's walking, where the virus goes from an infected person. And that pattern, now that we know that pattern, we literally can factor that into activities outdoors. Indoors, it's a big difference because now you're trapping that same emission. It's not just going to flow away and eventually dissipate uh, uh, totally. So we we have to consider where this is going. And that's why the the time study, with all of its flaws, had tracer gas studies that were, were describing where the infective particles went. Now, I, I, I think they were wrong because they weren't giving you the whole picture there. But it is still interesting to know that we can do that. We can literally say this virus is going to travel in this direction from this person. And if you're in that pathway, you're at risk. There are people who are especially walking around New York City who are wearing masks outside all the time. Uh, is that Oh, that's better. Yeah, sure. Because you don't know how close you're going to get to somebody or whether or not, you know, again, if you look at the if you look at the studies of people walking outside and where that virus goes, you would realize it is not it's not impossible to catch it from somebody walking. It's just highly unlikely. And there is of a mass uh, um, um, uh, super spreader from a. uh, an outdoor event, but all the other super spreader events that I've looked at are indoors. Uh, I want to get uh, into the vaccinations a bit more in just a moment, but let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. 
Yes, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm glad you want to talk about vaccinations because that's my concern. Uh, I am uh, 30 years old, and my wife and I are looking to have children soon. I am considered essential, so I was able to, to get the vaccination if I wanted. And I was all for it until I heard that the DNA changing may be harmful for the reproduction system. And when I investigated further into that, the Pfizer vaccine actually says on page 120 in the back somewhere that you should not be sexually active for up to 30 days after receiving the vaccine. I found that enough to be alarming to not get it. And I, I just want to stress to people that, um, that are considering vaccination who haven't had children yet that this is an experiment. Um, you know, the data's not there of the effects long-term of what's going on here. And I, I believe it's being oversighted by something with a 99.99% survival rate. Do you agree? Well, the, the survival rate is terrific. Um, I, I, you know, they, the first Pfizer, they tested um, what well, was just short of 2 million people. And um, they had... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, 200,000 people, 1.8. And they had 25 cases of anaphylactic shock and they all survived. So there weren't there weren't any fatalities in that in that group at all. So it's very low. Changing the 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 transformation of your DNA, the RNA was the actual damaging concerning part is from what I've studied. Um and uh, I, I just think there might not be enough um, information about this to take such a large social experiment. And let's be honest, guys, this is our future of society. If these children get damaged, that is our society in the future. And I don't think we should rush that by any means. Yeah, well, and again, that, that might be a valid concern, but the majority of people yes. that are not planning a family Probably because it's not going to damage your DNA. It's going to damage the DNA of the sperm produced. Yes, ma'am. So that's why they're Very saying much. that because that's you're making that DNA. So don't. So just be just just be careful to uh, to practice birth control for a month. Anyway, thank you for your call. Uh, let's go on with the the whole business of these vaccinations. The Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine has just been made available in addition to the Pfizer and the Moderna. Uh, is there any reason to prefer one over the others, uh, un unless you're planning to have a child? Well, the differences are really so small and still not fully defined that I just think that the main thing is to get a vaccine and whatever is offered to you first and whatever is your, your possibility. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in April we'll be able to get the uh, Moderna so we don't have to make two trips. <laughs> but, you know, it's not. Oh, you mean the Johnson and Johnson? The Johnson I mean, the Johnson, Johnson is the one. Yeah. Yeah, Moderna is two trips and the Pfizer is two trips. That's right. I don't know if I should reveal the fact that I've had the Pfizer, the two trips. Good for you. <laughs> Good for well, you. Well, it was offered to me. It was offered to me by my doctor's office, and uh, I took care of it. So, well, whether it's true or not, I'm not planning to have children, so that's not an issue. Well, according to 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 the the studies, 
my having had COVID and you having your vaccine means we could hug. But of course, uh, all of the stories we're hearing now say that we must not do that because somebody's going to complain. Well, the CDC has said that fully vaccinated individuals can now gather in small groups indoors without masks. Yes, that's uh, and, and that makes perfect sense. And uh, since uh, I, I'm not sure I understand completely about people who had uh, the virus and recovered. Do they have as much immunity as someone who's been vaccinated or perhaps more? They, they, they assume in most cases more. Um, but um, the, 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 every now and then, of course, there's someone who gets it twice. I mean, it's, it's extremely rare. But there are people who have had the, the, the virus and then in a few months get it again. Um, and uh, that is that is just so, so rare that you rarely you, you have to really hunt for those articles. But uh, in most cases, you're assuming that for at least four or five months, you probably just can't get get it again. So should people who have been vaccinated feel confident about getting routine medical and dental care and eating in a restaurant, going to a movie theater, getting a haircut? A lot you of people know, want to go to gyms. I don't know why. probably can. And, and, and what, what you have to do is you have to look at not just you. You have to look at your whole life. Because if you get contaminated by somebody's breath or their, their, their particles or whatever, and you bring it home, that could be a problem for someone in your household. So you have to look at the whole picture on what you want to do. But if you're if you're somebody who lives alone and you've got your 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 two vaccinations, you should be able to do just about anything and not not have a really big problem. I was amused that the, one of the big news stories was that grandparents can hug their grandchildren, uh, grandparents who have been vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's a very uh, limited view of the world. Uh, uh, there were even all elder parents who might want to hug their children. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, weird things amuse me. Uh, one of the things that amuses me is that I'm on WBAI here, WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. Visit American City, you will find it very pretty. Just two things of which you must beware. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Pollution, pollution, they got smog and sewage and mud. Turn on your tap and get hot and cold running crud. Uh, that was before we had this latest pandemic, although we've had a, a series of pandemics recently. And we're talking about how to try to stay safe with one of our regular contributors on the show, industrial hygienist Monona Russell. She is the president and founder of Arts, Crafts and Theater Safety, the health and safety officer for Local A29 of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. It's published by Wiley. Um, are you surprised by how many people are calling to argue against taking precautions, considering uh, this, that so many people have died 
No, um, uh, because I do this training so often now, and it it it, it just depends. Um, there are there are lots of groups that are very conservative and, and doing really good, careful things and uh, um, and protecting themselves and believing the science. But there's an awful lot of, of people who are are kind of making it up themselves to some extent. Uh, they're not sure who to listen to. Uh, and uh, to me, it's 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 a perfectly rational thing to 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 try to find your own way through this. So I, I understand what 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 they're doing, and they're looking at bits and pieces of information and trying to make the best call for themselves. And um, it it just is going to be a, a a spotty thing for a while. Well, we'll discover more when uh, the residents of some of the states that are eliminating uh, masks and um, have slowed down on vaccinations like Texas and uh, Mississippi and South Dakota. We'll see what happens uh, with their infection rates. Should we take some more calls? BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, hi. Hi. uh, um, I I wanted to say that, that we have a mass media that's misdirected, which um, is misdirected, uh, the, the problem is profit-driven, profit, profit and they wanted to keep it a secret. And, um, and uh, we have a, a, a population reduction uh, a virus. We should have new, new companies to make, to, to, to mass produce the ozone machine, which was, was invented very long time ago by Mr. Tesla. And it, it, China had a one-child policy, but it didn't work. So the new technique is that some people within the military chose to, to, um, to use, which was an altered virus. And uh, we should have that ozone machine for the hospitals. And, you know, mass produced by companies to make money that way. And ozone machines for hospitals, for schools, for uh, sports, sports places and everything like that. They, um, they should push for that, those machines to be produced. And a lot of lives will be um, saved that way. You know, hospitals need it very much. It's very polluted, the air there. Monona? Well, if he's talking about ozone generators, no, they don't want those. Um, ozone is a is a strong pollutant, and yes, it can kill the virus, but it can kill your lung cells just as effectively. It's a, it's 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 a non-discriminatory, active ion species, and it'll rip the hell out of the virus. It'll rip the hell out of your lung cells. So you you really don't want to do it. There's a there's a nice negative ion generator study in uh, uh, that shows uh, they did 56 students in rooms where they used these negative ion generators and um, they measured the oxidative stress chemicals in the urine and these these people were showing definite signs of cell damage and and, and repair. So I mean it just doesn't make sense to to try to avoid a respiratory virus by damaging your own respiratory system first. I know it hurts for you to hear this because you are part of the system. In Europe, they, they use it and then they turn it off. And once the ozone becomes regular ozone, regular oxygen, it, it, then it's uh, okay. It, it cleans the air and then it becomes regular oxygen for after a while. 
And um, people who are profit-driven within this system want to just rely on, on the production of... Wait, I, I want to ask you, sorry, listener, I want to ask you a question. Are you suggesting that Monona is profit-driven and that's why she <laughs> is taking this position? Because I oh, happen I to know that Monona is not the wealthiest person in New York City. <laughs> they want to make mass vaccines because it makes profit. And ah, so, well, well, you know, how about you not having, how about you not getting vaccinated and you not wearing a mask? That's your decision, no? The ocean is rising and the climate is going to get very bad, oh. so they want to reduce the population in a way that, uh, that oh. won't involve a nuclear war. This is a very complicated conspiracy you're discussing. I think we need to do another show on that. That's too much for for this show alone. Monona, you want to respond? Are you surprised no. that so many people are calling in to, to no, say I'm just, that, I'm just hoping that he's you are right. wrongheaded? I, I'm just hoping he's right and this is profit-driven and I'm about to come into a big pile. <laughs> Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. No, no more calls. Uh, anyway, if you do want to call... Uh, our number is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Or you can send me an email at leonardlopate at wbai.org. Um, the, uh, another concern that we've uh, been hearing about recently is all the new mutations and variants. There's a British variant. Uh, South African, uh, one from Brazil, and even, uh, I hear, a New York variant. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we put out our own. Um, this is going to happen. Anytime you have this virus replicating again and again and again and again, sooner or later it makes a mistake. And whether or not that mistake is going to be successful sort of depends on us. Uh, because where it lands and who gets it and is it transmittable and so on. There's probably many, many, many more vi variants than we hear about, but they die out for one reason or another. It's just a mistake that is, is constantly happening every time you are replicating the, the, uh, the, the virus. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be continuing ones, and we, we really can't always predict whether or not they're going to behave the same way. Um, and hopefully most of them will be ones that the vaccines can deal with. But we, we can't know that for sure. And should we assume that any variant will make its way everywhere in this country sooner rather than later? Once it is big enough and, 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 and it, it infects enough people, that it is definitely going all over the world. That there's, I'd like to know exactly what that threshold is. I'm sure mathematically there's a way to find out. But once you have enough people so that that virus is now in a group of people in the world, it will not stay in that group because we are so mobile and we have airplanes and we have trucks and we have buses and we have cars and it's just going to go everywhere over time. The uh, new variants have been given letter number designations like B.1.1.7. The New York variant is B.1.526. And uh, I've, I've just read that 39% of the new cases in the city are in that New York City variant. 
Yeah, well, we're, we're a big city. We're, we're close. close uh, we live close together. So once we have a variant, it's going to definitely spread rather, rather fast. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And it isn't going to stay here in New York. It's going to be everywhere. Um, and, because and, you say globalization, yep. uh, we're not going to stop globalization. No, we just can't stop that. It's just definitely going to happen uh, sooner or later everywhere. So, yeah. And, and these na names and numbers, you, it's, it's, unless you get into um, the, the, the numbering of the, of the genes in the RNA and DNA, you, it, none of that makes any sense. You just have to memorize <laughs> what the variant numbers are, but that's what they're based on. I thought that they were there so that, that we wouldn't stigmatize the, uh, the countries involved. Well, no, because they're looking at the virus itself and what is the change? What, what, what parts on the RNA strand are, are different? And so that's where the numbers are being generated. But, but I think it's kind of good that we have a New York variant because you really can't blame China. You really can't blame the country where, you know, we see a lot of them in, in Africa, rising in Africa as well. Wherever you have animals and people eating each other and getting really close together and the right conditions, you're going to see this, this kind of thing happen. And, and it, 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 it's, it's not anything that you could change except to change the way the economy functions in terms of uh, the, the kinds of things they eat and, and the way in which they, they live. A listener has written to me. Uh, you will be pleased to hear this, Leslie, um, who says, unlike some of your rude and unreasonable callers, I find the information provided by today's guest, Ms. Russell, to be invaluable. I also look forward, I always look forward to hearing her on your show. Ms. Russell's expertise in her field is unparalleled. And I also appreciate that not all of WBAI's hosts have to act in lockstep. Yeah. But, you know, with the, the, with Look, this is this you. is all part of of uh, the of the dialogue, isn't it? Not everybody's going to agree on pretty much anything. If you look at the political spectrum, it's even more broader than the, the what we're discussing today. Yeah, it, it, we when you stop and think about the the the, the polls and the voting and 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 the, the wide widespread and diversity of, of opinions and so on. You know, WBAI is like a little microcosm. You've got it all here. Hmm. Well, is, has there been any talk uh, about the possibility that uh, the vaccines we've already we already have will protect us against any new variant, or will we have to keep on developing new vaccines as as more variants uh, are found as the virus keeps on mutating? Well, that's that's interesting because there are people. Because uh, there, well, just let me finish the thought because uh, okay. uh, we uh, it's it's recommended in some circles that people get vaccinated uh, regularly for the flu vaccine because uh, the uh, the influenza viruses uh, mutate all the time. Uh, so is, is it likely that uh, we're going to be doing the same thing with this one or and can uh we combine the flu and COVID vaccines into one shot sometime in the future. 
It's very likely that, I mean, that probably would work because the, the, the nice thing about the, the vaccines that they have developed for this particular bug is that they are not based on a dead virus or anything like that. The whole, the whole RNA is not there. They have found that if they find certain sections of the RNA, that they can stimulate an immune response without having to have the whole RNA strand of the virus. That means that stuff cannot infect you. It cannot reproduce itself. It's really quite inert in terms of, of, of biology. So this, is, this was a big, this was a huge, huge, wonderful step that probably wouldn't have happened this soon if it wasn't for this bug. And it's going to open up a, a lot of possibilities also when we start looking at other flu vaccines and other things, because we may have more options now for uh, developing uh, vaccines. Well, obviously, the thinking was different in developing these than it's been in the past. That's why we wound up with uh, three vaccines within uh, less than a year. That's right. Everybody was on this case. Everybody understood it really early on. And, and they saw the potential because you just have to find the right part of that chunk that is going to stimulate your immune system to identify this bug and go after it. Even though they've only seen part of the RNA, they're going to be activated and, and, um, and function against it. My guest is Monona Russell here on Monday Lopez at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM. She's the president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety and also the health and safety officer for Local A29 of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Uh, has there been talk within the uh, film and theater industry about trying to return to normal? Oh, we've been talking about that since June, <laughs> and we've we, we've done as much as we can. Um, there are, you know, the, uh, studios that have their own housing facilities, and people come in and they get tested and they quarantine and they they stay in pods and they function almost normally because there's nobody infected there. Uh, so we've been doing little normal areas. Uh, since the very beginning uh, of, of this, this, this pandemic, uh, we, we were open by June, essentially. Hmm. But uh, again, we, had, we don't have resource problems in terms of testing, in terms of facilities. Um, what I like to say is there's gold in them not hills. So, you know, we could, we could do precautions that other industries couldn't. What about vaccinations? Are most of the people working in in these fields being vaccinated? It is really rare that I run across somebody in the film business that doesn't want to get a vaccination. Most of them realize that as soon as they can get that, the better they're going to be free to do a lot more things. And so uh, most of them are, are, are pretty interested in it. I mean, you know, we have people who also have conspiracy theories and other reasons why they don't want to do this. But um, I, I'm really kind of pleased with the people that I'm talking to on, on a daily basis and, um, and, and their motivation to get it back to normal, as normal as, as we can and as soon as we can.
Well, whether you believe in it or not, it's hard to go shopping, for example, without wearing a mask because you'll be asked to leave the store. Well, that's okay. <laughs> no problem. I, I don't know if we're getting any more calls. Our number here is 212-209-2877. Or you can write to me at Leonard Lopate at WBAI.org. The, the guidelines for masks are also changing. It's been recommended that people double mask in some situations. How would that work? Well, here's the real... Well, this is this is this is a short course on on that subject. If you look at the surgical mask, which does have some of the polyfibers in it that can actually capture some of the important sized particles of the virus down in the 0.3 micron range. The problem is you can see air around the edges. And um, air is not going to go through a mask when it can scoot around without any resistance. <laughs> around the edges of the mask. So what they found first was if they took the surgical masks that have some of the poly in it, which will capture more of the virus particles, and then they put a second mask that mashes that sucker down on your face. A cloth so mask, that, exactly. Yeah, a cloth mask that really fits tight so that it's holding it and the air has to go through the filters, that it's vastly more efficient. So that's, that's where it really started. And now they've got all kinds of combinations of things. And of course, all of that would have been just completely relieved if people in the workplace would have just followed the OSHA regulations and done the NIOSH certification and pit testing and training and all the rest. They, they, they would have a mask that's 100%. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we've been trying to, to, to get people back into N95s in the film business for some time. And now, of course, we know there's tons and tons and tons of N95s out there. You, just, you can just order them anywhere. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my uh, question does go uh, perfectly with what you're discussing. I was reading in the New York Times about uh, the pollution, I think, in the Philippines, where they dump in all of the medical uh, masks and equipment into the ocean, and the fish were eating it, and, you know, it subsequently went up the line. And I know, observa observationally, when I walk, I see masks laying in the street, and so... It's the question of unintended consequences. Uh, is this a problem that uh, Winona sees, foresees uh, in the future when we are constantly using masks? Well, we're not going to be using masks forever, Winona, are we? No. Uh, well, we, we, we should be in certain workplaces anyway, but we've been wearing masks for a long, long time. And in the hospitals, they've been mm. throwing them away after a single use. And now, of course, they wear them longer. So in, in the hospital, there's, there's almost less use uh, in, in some instances. So, yeah, they, they, there's a lot of masks being thrown away on the street. I don't think it's going to become a major, major problem. Mm -hmm. 
Um, one of the cartoons that I use in one of my PowerPoints shows rats who have made them into hammocks. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, 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 it's a short-term thing. We're only talking about, a, 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 it's, well, it's just about an, a full year now. Um, so this is going to be over in another six months or so, and, and then we're, we can get back to normal. So I'm not going to worry about the pollution in this in this short range, especially when it saves lives. Have you any thoughts on why the uh, the mortality rate is so much higher in this country than it is in a lot of countries that are quite poor? Have uh, well, it, don't it, have doctors going on television and telling the public what to do. Well, there's also a problem in the poorer countries with their record keeping. So we're not really that sure uh, that that's what's happening. Um, so it's, it, it's that some of that epidemiology is going to have to settle out after there's a lot more known and a lot more uh, done. So I, I'm, I'm not prepared to say that we have a higher death rate, but we do have problems with our healthcare system that are leading to high death rates. Uh, and that's been well established among people who have pre-existing conditions based on their, their lifestyles, um, people with obesity and people with uh, diabetes and uh, yeah. other, other types of uh, problems. So that the epidemiology is going to, I, 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 you know, there's going to be like a, a, a brilliant time right after this epidemic is over because people are going to start to really crunch those numbers. And we're going to learn a lot uh, that we can't learn when it's so political and it's right in our faces and it's happening today. And the people that we are dying are people we know. It isn't going to be clear and clean yet. When there's some distance and they got all these numbers and we're going to be able to see more about what actually happened and the mortality figures are going to become clearer, that's going to be a very exciting time for people um, to, to, to crunch the numbers. And uh, Governor Cuomo, I'm sure, would be uh, interested in the final results. Um, on a personal level, don't people like me who wear glasses have have a, another problem with wearing masks. My glasses fog up. Uh, well, do you have any suggestions glad. for dealing with that? Be glad because there's another study and a couple of studies showing that people who wear glasses get less COVID. And um, it has to do with the, well, you know, I divide the, the emissions from people's mouths into the aerosol and the gobsmackers. <laughs> and, mm. and the large particles are the little ones that go through the air, and they actually land somewhere. If you're wearing glasses, they don't land near any kind of mucous membranes in your eyes, which is okay. another way to catch the disease. So people who wear glasses actually uh, have a little higher rate of not having the disease, a little, little, little more protection. Oh, I'm so relieved. Monona, thank you so much for being on our show again. Uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Monona Russell. Anytime. Always a pleasure.
And that brings us to the end of today's show. Special thanks to segment producer Barbara Kahn for preparing today's interview. If you're new to our program and would like to hear more, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and anywhere else that podcasts are available. And there are links to all of our past shows on our website, LeonardLopateAtLarge.com. Also, if you'd like to write to me, my email address is LeonardLopate at WBAI.org. Although I hate doing this before I sign off today, I need to take just a moment to ask for your support for this station. The pandemic has hit all public broadcasters hard financially, but almost all of them take foundation grants and run ad- the ads that they call funding credits. And WBAI doesn't. We rely 100% on the support of our listeners, which allows us to remain a completely free speech radio station. And I'm sure you're aware of that. <laughs> just listening on a regular basis. So if if you care about Leonard Lopate at Large and all the other great programs on WBAI, we need your help to keep it all going. Please step up right now and make a contribution at whatever level you're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 516-620-3602 right now to keep the kind of unique in-depth content we bring you on this show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. That's 516-620-3602 or go to give to WBAI.org online. And please be sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopez at Large. A big thanks to all of the listeners who are helping to keep us on the air with their generosity. And we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow when we will look deeper into what we've been discussing today. We'll take a look at the history of disease outbreaks since antiquity with Dr. Richard B. Gunderman, author of the new book, Contagion, Plagues, Pandemics, and Cures from the Black Death to COVID-19 and beyond. We'll see you then.